It is indeed the Word. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation of them that believe, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. It's in Romans 1, 16. So thankful for the Word. I'm thankful to see all these faces here this morning to worship together. But that's exactly what we need to do is to worship. Can I tell you, you're not here this morning just for something to do. You're not here because you want to keep someone happy and you're accepting an invite. You are here, I believe, every one of you for divine purpose. God has brought you to such a place as this, at such a time as this, that if you will receive, you will receive what you need. I believe that with everything in my heart. Why? Because God set the world in order. His Spirit moved up on the face of the deep and Everything come into existence. He spoke it into existence. He spoke you into existence. But more than that, He also breathed His Spirit into your body. Now this morning I will talk about Spirit. We're going to be on Spirit for a while. But this morning what I really am going to get to is uh, who we are. Or who we should be at the very least. You see, I believe a lot of us know exactly who we are. Now, you may disagree with me, but bear with me for a minute. We know exactly what we are. Some of us know that we are actors. Hypocrites would be the Greek word. In other words, you profess Jesus Christ with one side of your mouth and with the other foot, you're walking in the world. That's an actor. You're an actor on both fronts. You see, we like to think of an actor being as just an actor in church. But the fact of the matter is, is you're also an actor in the world. You're not true to who you were designed to be. Some of us are comfortable and secure in our salvation of Jesus Christ because we know that we walk the walk. We know that when we get up in the morning, our first thoughts on our Mind is to pray, to read, to try to get into the presence of the Lord, to make our day a little bit better. We keep our mind upon Christ throughout the day, as Paul puts it, to pray without ceasing. When we go to bed at night, we're comfortable and we can rest in peace knowing that if we do not open our eyes in the morning, that we will open them on the other side of eternity at the throne of God. See, some of us know who we are. All of us know who we are. Some of us don't even pretend to be Christians. For those, you may think this is crazy, but I applaud you for not being an actor, but it's time to get right. I would rather have you tell me that I ain't going to church, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm going to live how I want and tell me, Oh, I'm a Christian, and then let me see your Facebook, and it shows that you're not. Let me meet you in public, and it shows that you're not. Just tell me the truth. Don't be an actor. 
let me get off of that. Who we are. I'll read scripture here in a minute. Clear that to logo. Here's a little bit of what I'm going to talk about this morning. Most of y'all have seen this, and we're going to stand for reading of the word here in a minute. But this is kind of the template for what I'm going to go through this morning. As a church, we should have an identity. People should know exactly what you get when you come to Mill Creek Church of God. There should be no question among those congregants that are regular here, but there should also be no question to the world that when you walk through the door, you know the product that you are getting. I've had this up for some time now on Facebook. Y'all know that right after I came, I, I did away with that old logo and I put us back to a Church of God logo. Why? Because not only am I not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm also not ashamed of being Pentecostal. I have no shame in saying that I am part of the Church of God. I believe in this denomination. I believe in our doctrine. Otherwise, I would not have a wall full of credentials up in my office stating such. But then I went on a little later on and I added in some things. If y'all have noticed on Facebook, it says simply engaged, period. One word, standalone statement, we are an engaged church. Spirit-filled. We are a spirit-filled church. And my God, if we claim to be a spirit-filled church, we need to act like it service after service after service. We don't need to come in here and act like the frozen chosen. We don't need to come in here and act like somebody we're not. We don't need to be hypocrites and actors in the church world. If we are Pentecostal, if we are spirit-filled believers, then we need to act like spirit-filled believers. Furthermore, we need to act like a spirit-filled church. Our first thought when someone falls and breaks a leg is not who the best orthopedic surgeon is in the area, but it should be that we serve a maker that can put that leg back back together and not even have a scar then we can go find a doctor that's just good common sense but our first thought should be to pray because we are spirit filled and we know that by the laying on of hands that people can be healed stand alone period we worship we worship sometimes hiccups happen but you know what I don't mind a bit because I'll tell you why this is a little bit of a soapbox, but that's okay, I guess. I know they're down here every week practicing. I know they're down here every Sunday morning. Before anybody comes through the door, they're down here practicing. They're putting in the time to make sure that they glorify and honor God the absolute best that they can. And sometimes we all make a mistake. They happen. I'm good with mistakes as long as I know that you're putting in the effort. Because effort is also worship. Singing these songs are worship. They, they, they lift up the name of the Lord. They point you to Jesus Christ. First thing, we offer up prayer, then we offer up a song. We recognize God for who and what He is, and we want to get into His presence, and then we worship Him in song for who He is. Don't worry about those songs that are a little slower, brother, because worship should really be two different kinds of songs. I'm not talking two genres. I like that also. 
We've got to keep that going. But it should be two ways. It should be one that speaks out into the congregation, a testimony of what God can do, that when you do enter into that sweet hour of prayer, that God will absolutely meet you right at the point of your need, and He can change the trajectory of your life. But then we also have to have some songs mixed in that simply point to the goodness of God and glorify Him for who He is. And I believe we do all of those. I believe that describes who we are as a church and how we should be. And I'm going to address each one of those individually, but then also you'll notice along the bottom that I put space to grow, a place to serve. Because you have to be able to be allowed to grow. You can't come in off of the street. I can't come in as a pastor and expect everybody in this church to be ready for everything that I can throw at you. Not everybody is ready for that Wednesday night Bible study, but some people are. Not everybody is ready for that powerful encounter on a Sunday night, but some are. Everybody is at a different stage in their walk. Whether you've been in here for 50 years or five is irrelevant. You could have been in here for 50 years and you still ain't read the Bible. You're not ready for me. So we have to allow that space to grow and, and that's part of my job as pastor and part of James and Rudy and Boyd and Stanley as the church and pastor's council and elders in the church is to help bring you along. That's part of Brian's job is to help bring you along and Joe and anybody that fills the Sunday school room to bring you along from milk to meat. You have to have that space and we understand that. We understand mistakes. But it's also a place to serve because God has called you to work. Let's go through these, and I'll, I'll try not to keep you all past four. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. And there's the title slide, who we are, or at least who we should be. And you can find it in your Bible, or you can read it off the screen as you find it. If you would, please stand for the reading of the Word to honor the Lord. What does the Spirit have to do with all this? Because if you're in here this morning and you claim to be a Christian, here's what Paul says about you, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit. If you are a saved believer, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. God, we simply want to lift your name, honor and glorify you in all that we do. And Lord, I ask for your anointing in this house, both upon myself to be able to bring forth your word, but upon my ears and everyone's ears, Lord, to hear what you are saying to us in this hour. Lord, I thank you this morning, and we give you the praise, glory, and honor for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you come to the altar, and I believe probably most everybody has at some point, 
Now, whether it's stuck or not is an entirely different story. I would ask you this morning simply, what are you sealed with? Because everybody is sealed. In other words, there is something outward about you that the world can look at, and they will automatically know if you are part of the church. Now, I'm not talking about part of the church and one foot in the world. I'm talking about they will know if you are a saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost believer on your way to heaven, or they will know if you are playing church, but you would rather have the fun of the world. They can look at you and they can tell if you are sealed by the Holy Ghost or they can look at you and tell if you are sealed by Satan, if you are sealed by the works of the world. Now you might look at me and say, well, it takes a while to grow in grace. It takes a little while to grow into this thing called Christianity. No, that you, when you get saved, you automatically ought to start having a little something different about you. You might have to go back and apologize to someone 15 times for the way you treated them, but you will go back and apologize. As soon as you come to the altar, there should be evidence that starts producing out of your life that shows that you are someone different other than what you used to be. Why do I know that? Because if you come to this altar and you kneel down and you submit your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come down and put His stamp of approval on you and justified you before God the Father, then you automatically ought to have the fruit of what is growing inside of you. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells you exactly what fruit you should have growing inside of you. You should have the fruit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Why? Because against such there is no law. As soon as you get up from the altar and you've submitted your life to Jesus Christ and you've got a different spirit inside of you, you ought to start having different fruit show in your life. There needs to be evidence in your life of what's living inside of you. But far too many times what we have is the works of the flesh that are manifested. We have the fruits of the flesh. Now, I don't have these slides, so don't worry about putting them up. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of which I tell you before as I told you also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are working the works of the flesh in your life, if the evidence that people see when you walk down the street is the works of the flesh, you have no part of the kingdom of God. But if you're walking down the street and you've got the works, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God working, which is love and peace and joy and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance, then you've got a place seated before you at the throne of God. There should be evidence in your life. But now if there is evidence, you absolutely need to be, going back to our uh, logo slide that we use, you absolutely ought to be engaged. 
well before you've ever experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to get to that, you need to be engaged. Unless you're one of those rare cases, and I have seen it, where they have come to get saved, and at the same moment they're saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, all in one fell swoop. They come to the altar, and God does it all. Most often, though, it seems like it takes some time from point A to get all the way to point C in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But even before you get to that, you absolutely need to be engaged. James 2, 18 through 26 says, Yea, a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. I know that we are justified by faith. It is only by faith that we are saved. I know that our works does not get us into heaven. But James is crystal clear, and I believe it 100%, that if you do have faith that God is who God says He is, that if Jesus Christ came and died on a cross, that He shed His blood so that you could be set free, then your faith is going to produce not just fruit in your life, but it will absolutely produce works in your life. You will not want to see other people dying and going to hell because you know what it means now. Yesterday you didn't know what it meant, but when you got up from the altar of just having a little talk with Jesus, you figured out that there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And you look over and you see that best friend that walked along with you you say my Lord I don't want him to go to hell give me something I can do to get in touch with him you go home and you look at your kids and you say oh Lord I can't I don't know that I can bear an eternal separation from them give me something to help reach them God give me some words give me some works to do because my community is going to hell in a handbasket and I can't take it anymore I need something to do if you are a saved believer you absolutely should show your faith through your works. You believe I'm happy for you. You believe in Jesus, I'm happy for you. The devils also believe and tremble. Go to that next one. The devils Thou believest that there is one God, you do well, I'm happy for you. But just because you believe in Jesus Christ does not mean you're going to heaven. The devil knows who Jesus is. The devil's already taken him out into the wilderness and offered him everything this world has to offer. He knows who Jesus is. He was there at the foot of the cross when the blood was running down, and he knows the power of Jesus Christ. His little minions occupied uh, legion. His little minions occupied all of these other people but they had to be subject when Jesus spoke they had to leave the devil also believes and he also trembles he's scared to death just because you believe don't mean you're going to heaven you have to show your faith out through your works you have to submit to Jesus Christ at this altar and you have to get engaged and you have to follow what he says but wilt thou know O vain man that faith without works is dead now James goes on to give some examples. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son up on the altar? In other words, it's not enough just to look at God and say, yeah, I will, you have to follow through with it. If Abraham would have said, well, God, I'll do that if that's what you want me to do, we would not have had the same course of history that we had. But because Abraham got up and because he took his son, because he grabbed everything he would need, not only to get to the mountain, he took his donkey, he took something for his son, 
sunrise, he also bundled up the wood. He also took a knife. He was ready to make an altar. He was ready to follow through with what God had told him to do. He had faith with works. He believed that God would provide something that would take the place of his son, that God would follow through with his word, that he wants all people to come to the knowledge of truth, and he put his faith into works. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. If you don't get engaged, if you don't start moving, if you don't start doing what God has called you to do, your faith will never be perfected. And what happens when your faith is not perfected, you ended up twice dead, plucked up by the roots, if you want to use that terminology out of Jude. That's what Jude said. There are some out there that is twice dead and plucked up by the roots. What happens when you're plucked up by the roots? You get cast into the fire. You're burnt up like chaff. You're burnt up like the, the dead that is in hell right now. You won't have eternity to spend at the throne of God. You won't have eternity to worship Jesus Christ. You'll have an eternity spent in separation from the presence of God and suffering and remembering every time some preacher stood in front of you and told you to quit acting. Every time some preacher told you to quit playing church. Every time some preacher told you you need to get off the pew and you need to get to working, you'll remember every time they told you and you'll remember it day in and day out with the flames of hell nipping at your feet. Scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, he wasn't even a friend of God until he really believed and put his works with his faith. This morning, you need to be an engaged church. You need to understand that if God has called you to salvation, He has not called you to sit still. He has called you to work for His glory and His kingdom. Likewise, also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? Do you really think her family would have been saved had she not worked with those spies that went into the land of Canaan? Do you not think her family would have suffered if she wouldn't have followed through on her end of her faith? That she took the risk of her people finding out to put her faith in, in the Israelites coming in to make sure her family was saved. She worked. She worked. And she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. She protected the work of God. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. That's engaged. When you look at Mill Creek Church of God, that's what you need to see first. Above all else, you need to see engaged. But then the next one, when you go down, you've got engaged in that upper left-hand corner, and then you look in the middle, and it says that we are spirit-filled. Now, I told you up front, and I quoted Romans 1.16 to you, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those that believeth, first to the Jew and also to the Gentile. I'm also not ashamed to be spirit-filled. In other words, Pentecostal. Now, I explained to you all a few weeks ago that Pentecostal is not necessarily just running the aisles 
swinging off of chandeliers, running the backs of pews. I've, I've seen things, I've seen people run the pew backs. They'd start right up front and run straight back and never hit a person, never miss a pew. I've seen them stacked up like cordwood laid out in the floors. I just seen that last week. I've seen people speak in tongues and give messages and interpret and all of these things. But I explained to you all that the real heart of Pentecost is being all in. It's a sacrifice. It costs you something. But that initial evidence is speaking in tongues. If you want to be part of a Pentecostal church, I believe you need to be seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You don't need to sit in a place with a doctrine with which you do not agree. If you are here, we are spirit-filled. If you are here, we believe in speaking in tongues. And we believe that that is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe that it is subsequent to a clean heart. In other words, we believe that you must be first saved. Then you must be sanctified. You must be cleaned up. You must be having a new work within your heart that is bleeding through and showing on the outside. Then we believe after all of these things in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? Because Acts 2, 1 through 4 that says when the day of Pentecost was arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting now from there divided tongues appeared and lit up on each one of them set up on them. and when it did they were all filled with the spirit and when they were all filled with the spirit they all began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance why because in acts 19 not the initial disciples, not the ones that were in the upper room, but we are sometime later when Paul is going into Ephesus, and I've told y'all this before, and I've just preached this not long ago, that it come to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard that there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under the what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. Well, the twelve men that were there already all knew the same language. There was no one there as on the day of Pentecost when they had to have the testimony of God in their own languages. This is a group of people that spoke the same language just as we are here today. And still the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was that when Paul laid his hands on them, they spoke in an unknown tongue. We are spirit-filled and we still believe that the day of Pentecost can happen when we get in one place in one accord that there can still be cloven tongues as a fire light up on each of us and that we can speak in known languages or unknown languages. We can do what God gives us the power to do. I still believe that to have the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Ghost I need to hear you talking in something I don't understand. I need to see something come out of you in this altars so that I know so that I can put you not just from being engaged but to leading and bringing other people into the presence of the Lord. But that does take work. Luke 24, 46 through 49, he said unto them, This 
Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all the nations. That is the very base of everything that we do. You need to repent. I'm not telling you you need to come up here and say a five-second prayer. Oh, God, forgive me, and walk back out and do the same thing you done yesterday. You need to come up here, and there needs to be some tears poured out on this altar because you know what a sinful heathen you've been for 40, 50 years. You need to repent. You need to be sorry for what you've done. So sorry, in fact, that when you get up, all you can see is the blood of Christ covering your sins, and you would be ashamed to walk back out the door and do the same same thing that you did yesterday because you know that if you do you'd be trampling again underfoot the blood of Christ you need to repent and then you have remission of sins and then you need to witness be a witness of these things but then then in verse 49 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because this is something we don't do like I talked about the mourner's bench. We don't have a mourner's bench anymore. We've got an altar for a McDonald's prayer, Burger King prayer, have a chore way. Drive through, get on the road. We don't have a mourner's bench. We've got an altar. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you But, tarry. Let me tell you something. If you come to this altar and you want it your way and you want to drive through and get out into the parking lot so you can go to the restaurant, that's not tarrying. If you want to get out of the altar so you can get home at night to catch the late ball game on so you can get out at night to get home and get in bed so that you can get up in the morning to go to work. Look, I, I admire you if you work. You need to work. But that's not where I'm going with this. God can sustain you. But if you've got everything of the world on your mind and all you're worried about is getting out of the altar that's not tearing Jesus Christ himself said you need to go and you need to tarry until you be endued with that word endued literally means clothed wrapped in from head to toe with power from on high if you don't tarry in the altars if you don't tarry in the presence of the Lord if you don't take some time with him and forget about the world you will never be clothed with power from on high if you don't tarry if you don't pour your heart out to God if you don't repent if you don't do the things that he has told you to do you will never be spirit filled if you don't want to do these things this might not be the church for you we are a church of God that means we are above all a Pentecostal church that means we need to see and hear and experience the power of God that starts first with the power of tongues and then we need to see signs and wonders and miracles but that does not happen if you don't tarry we are spirit-filled. I'm trying to get through this. Worship. That's the one that's down on the very bottom corner. Worship comes in many forms. We worship in giving. We worship in song. We worship in prayer. We worship in word. One of the best things in the Bible that I have found on worship, and I keep hitting this and hitting this and hitting this, and I'm hoping one day that it really sticks and we're walking through the door shouting before we ever get in here for church. 
Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. That's a praise. That's pointing to, to Jesus. That's a vertical worship. Oh, God. If you don't do something, I ain't going to be able to stay in church. Shut up. Shut up. That ain't what the Word tells you to do. There's time for that. There's time for that. But when you come in, it says you need to come in with gladness and into His presence with singing. In other words, you need to walk through that door, whether it's Sunday morning, whether it's Sunday night, whether it's Wednesday night, and you don't need to say, well, I have to go to church tonight. No, you get to go to church tonight. You don't have to do anything except live and die. But your choices in between of what you get to do will make your destination choice for you. It will punch your ticket. In other words, you get to come to church. You should walk in happy that you get to enter the presence of the one that made everything on this earth, who owns all the silver and gold of all the hills. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills. He owns your car. He owns your breath. He owns your life. He owns your kids. He owns your parents. He owns you. He owns everything. And you need to come into his courts with thanksgiving and into his gates with praise. And you need to lift his name up before you ever start whining and crying about what kind of situation he has you in. Remember that he holds your eternity in his hands. For the Lord is good. And his mercy is everlasting. You see, you can get to all of those things. Oh, Lord, I need you to move in my life. God, I need you to move right now. I need to see your power and your authority at work. I've often went back to Psalms chapter 3. Sometimes you may even need to pray some of them prayers of David. God, I need you to smash the teeth out of their head because if you don't, I might. Well, you don't believe me? Go read Psalm 3. David thanks God for smashing their jaw. Sometimes you might even need to pray that prayer, but all of that comes after you come in with thankfulness and joy and praise. Then telling Him how good He is. Then you can get to the mercy part. And His truth endureth to all generations. If he done it for David, he'll do it for Stanley. If he done it for Abraham, he'll do it for James. So that's who we are. We are engaged. We are spirit-filled. We believe in worship. Now let me try to run quickly through this last part. Because what goes on everything, and even online, go ahead and clear to the logo again, and we can go back to this in a minute. If you went on Facebook and you've watched any of our live streams, what you see across the bottom is that bottom part right there that says Mill Creek Church of God. It's got the logo, and it says space to grow, a place to serve. That's plastered across the bottom of every broadcast that we do on Facebook. Now, everybody may not always see engaged, spirit-filled worship, because that's the Facebook header and not everybody will click on that or look at it. But if they watch online at any point, 
If they watch the videos that we put up on YouTube afterwards, what they see plastered across the bottom of the screen is Mill Creek Church of God, space to grow, a place to serve. 1 Corinthians 3, 1-11. Understand that in Corinthians, Paul is writing to a church. In other words, he is writing to believers. And honestly, we could learn a great deal about how to do church if we would just read the start of every New Testament letter. What I mean by that is when Paul starts every one of his letters, it's a greeting. And then after he greets them, he gives thanks for them. You see, to the letter in to, uh, to those in Corinth, even though there was divisions and problems within the church, Paul never said that when he started. You read Corinthians and you see that church was an absolute teetotal train wreck of a mess. They had super apostles trying to take over. There were divisions and factions about who they were trying to follow. And Paul could have cared less. He wanted their attention first. Can I tell y'all this morning that we need to be the same way? If we really are going to be a church where we allow space to grow, we need not point that out to them right off the bat. What we need to do is say, I'm glad you're here. I'm thankful for you being here. Let's praise the Lord together. There's time and space and necessity to point out what needs to be fixed. But Paul just simply said, greetings, brothers. I'm thankful for you and I pray for you. And then he went on to say, I know there's some dissension. I know that some are saying this and some are saying that. But he really got to the point that he just said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That needs to be the very start of everything we do in this church if we're really going to be a space to grow. In chapter 3, I think he highlights it best. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Go on to the next one. I, I must have put them out of order. Let me just go to the paper. See, brother, you're not the only one that makes mistakes sometimes. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. That's what verse 2 says. 2 Corinthians 3 and 2, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. In other words, there are people that will walk through our doors that needs milk. They're not ready for everything that you know. They're not ready for all your wisdom and intelligence and knowledge and 40 years of built up work in the church. All they need to know is that Jesus loves them. For the Bible tells me so. All they need to hear is, I'm glad you're here. I pray for you. They don't need to hear anything about anything else other than I love you. I'm glad you're here. Jesus died for you the same as he did for me. Because that's milk. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and the same shall be saved. That's milk.
He goes on to say, who then is Paul? So that's the, that's the space to grow. But now we need a place for everyone to serve. If every one of you sitting in here that is part of this church, that is saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, would start your own little ministry under the cover of the church, to where you reach out to people, and got just about five people here, that would put us well over 200 people this morning. Think about that. If every one of you could reach out and have your ministry to just five people under the cover of this church, and then you would bring them in on Sunday mornings, that would put us over 200 people here. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What's your reward? What's your labor? If you're not laboring, you have no reward because faith without works is dead. Look, you can be mad at me if you want. I'm just telling you the word. We are laborers together with God. I can't do it on my own. You've been in this community longer than I have. You know the people. I don't. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. That is my job. It's up to y'all to build upon. Again, you can be mad if you want, but right there's the word. I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Who are we? Who are you? I've told you who you should be. I've laid out letter for letter this morning exactly who you should be. I've made it crystal clear what you should be. But I'm going to go back to the statement I made at first. You also know exactly who you are. You might have me fooled. You might have mommy and daddy fooled. God knows. And your reward will be justified. You know if it's really a reward or if it's punishment. I've also laid out who we are this morning. We are engaged, or we should be. We are spirit-filled, or we should be. We are worshipers, or we should be. And if we're truly exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, one of which is long-suffering and kindness, we also ought to be able to afford people space to grow. 
And if we believe what the Word says, that faith without works is dead, we will also be a place where you serve. So my altar call this morning is exactly this simple. Who are you if you need to change? In other words, if you've been walking with one foot in and one foot out, you better come repent. The end of the book tells me the one that testifies those things says, I come quickly. Even so, come. Time is running out. If you've got another 40 years, your time is short because eternity will never end. First and foremost this morning, you know who you are. And if you are not a child of God, you need to come and repent. Secondly, if you're not engaged, come and pray for God to put some fire in you. If you're not spirit-filled, come and grab me and James. I, I didn't say or and. Grab me and James and Stanley and Boyd and Rudy. That's your pastor and your church and pastor's council. And let us lay hands on you and pray for you to be filled with the Spirit. If you're having trouble worshiping, come and lift your hands. Come and lift the name of the Lord. And He'll take care of the rest. If you want to grow from milk to meat, come and pray. Pray for God to give you knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And if you need a place to serve, I want you to earnestly seek God and say, God, where can I be most effective? And then I want you to come to me and then let's get it going. The altars are open.